Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Tuesday, we're going to talk some USC Trojan football following the bye week, a big Pac-12 South matchup between the undefeated Colorado Buffaloes and the USC Trojans. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com or call or text us. The number is 424-254-9141. we got some news to talk about. we got a lot of your questions from the bye week. To answer, uh, I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, and we have Keely Yor in studio. Follow him on Twitter at Keely is my name. Him. Uh, did I say him? Yes. It's Follow okay. her. It's, good. it's okay. I know, that, I know you're a female. I'd hope so. Yeah. <laughs> We've known each other for years. Uh, for a long time. Your hair's pretty long. That doesn't mean anything, but I, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, you know. Yes. I am. I know it's a weird time nowadays. But <laughs> oh, then, my goodness. <laughs> how do we get to here? Anyway. Follow her on Twitter at Keely is my name. And Dan Weber who I know is a male, you can <laughs> follow him on Twitter at dweber3440. What's up, Dan? How are you? Hey. Although Keely does have one of those names that uh, works both ways, so uh, she's got the benefit of that, uh, which is uh, which is great. Really? I, I feel like it's a female name. I don't know. I never heard that until I, I met I, you. There are some, I think I've heard some really? some males with that name. But, it's uh, Irish. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Can't not- go wrong there. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, hey, so we got a lot to get to on the show, a lot of news. Uh, before we jump into it, I just want to let you guys know all about SeatGeek. Yes, you got a home game coming up. It's been a while since you've seen the Trojans in the Coliseum. If you want to get your tickets, it's really easy to get them through SeatGeek. It's the easiest way to go. They put millions of tickets into one place. They pull them all from one place, make it easy to find the seats you want at the price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value over there in the being remodeled LA Coliseum. So you can search multiple ticket sites and it'll grade every ticket based on value. So it'll help you identify the best seats for your budget. It'll make you just make it your go-to ticket source for everything from sports, concerts, comedy theater, and of course, USC football. I have the app on my phone, pulling it up right now. It's easy to find tickets what you want. So for the USC Colorado game, it'll give you what the best deal is. Uh, that's a row 39 ticket for only 44 bucks. Also the lowest price, $33. If you just want to go to the game, 33 bucks, you can get there uh, with SeatGeek. So right now, if you go to the SeatGeek and download the app, all of our listeners here on the Parasol Podcast will get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. You just need to enter the promo code USC. So you haven't used it before, download it, check it out. Promo code USC, and you'll get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event we have the tickets. All right. Well, we got a lot to get to. Uh, there's the biggest news, I guess, during the bye week is uh, a player that's no longer enrolled in school. Uh, Keely, I know we had, was there a question there we maybe we should read or just want to just get into the news with Dan? Yeah, we actually have a question from our friend Joan from, I- formerly from Idaho. She says, please address what you think of USC. Its administration was with respect to the penalty uh, given to a 14, a 19 year old boy, Bubba, who certainly wasn't alone at a party and how you would react if it were your son. So just uh, yeah, I so think people know, uh, yeah, uh, well, yeah. Dan, Dan, maybe we just give him yeah. an update. So okay. we did, uh, 
So Bubba Bolin coming into the season, if you don't know, uh, on Sunday before the UNLV game was named the starting free safety opposite uh, Marvell Tell. And then uh, on Wednesday, we got to interview him. We talked to him. And it was Wednesday evening after practice. And by Thursday, he wasn't at practice. And Clay Hilton just said he wasn't going to play in the UNLV game. We haven't seen him since. And this past week, uh, USC released a statement in their in their release notes that he was no longer enrolled in school. He put out his own statement on on social media saying the same thing and kind of explaining what, you know, from his point of view, what happened. And so, you know, Dan wrote a great piece on it. You can check it out on the site. And lots of uh, lots of comments on the message boards, lots of comments everywhere. So, Dan, kind of get your thoughts on this, just to set the stage there. Yeah, I, I just think the problem with, with commenting on it is we don't know the whole story. I mean, you know, we know what, you know, Bubba said. Uh, and that causes you to have some real questions. I mean, <clears throat> a 28-month suspension? Come on, they knew they knew that wasn't going to, you know, fly. That That wasn't even remotely... Uh, a possibility for a kid who hopes to go to the NFL. Basically, they expelled him, but they didn't want to, I don't think, wanted to have to stand behind expelling. So they just said, oh, wait around 28 months and, and the people who were, uh, you know, threatened by you for whatever happened at a party and after a party and, you know, continuing or not continuing. Uh, uh, they knew he wasn't going to be able to wait around. And basically, I guess, because uh, we had seen him, uh, we were doing, you know, uh, instant analysis outside of, of uh, you know, McKay, and you would see Bubba going by with some of the players. So he obviously was still around and still in class, but apparently they told him he couldn't be in, a, in class anymore, that he was threatening people just by being in class, which gives him no option then, but, you know, but to leave. You just wish it were more transparent uh, and that we knew you know, what did happen? I know they, you know, the whole, you know, privacy act uh, restrictions and all of that. But when you're dealing with a, uh, a football player who was going to be a starter and was a, you know, really great high school player, and he's, you know, summarily removed from the team the day that a big story is going in his hometown paper in Las Vegas because he's going to start against UNLV. And he just disappears and to act like, oh, well, we can, we'll just keep it private, keep everything, you know, uh, we won't release anything on it. Of course you can't keep it private, you know? And so my, you know, my big, um, you know, the problem I've got with the whole situation is we really don't know what happened. How can we evaluate it if we don't know? We don't know much of anything. And then you hear people, you know, post, he did this or this was ongoing or blah, blah, blah. Well, we don't know. And the, the crazy thing is it sure looks like the USC football coaches didn't know. I mean, there's no way they name him. I wouldn't think as the starter for the opener with the possibility that he's going to get, you know, taken out, uh, by Thursday of that week. And how did that work how, You know, how did it just so happen? That something that happened in February caused him to be taken out uh, for a September football game right before the game. I mean, you know, we always suspected when the NCAA did that to uh, Mike Williams, if those who can remember that, when he was about ready to get on the plane for the opener uh, of his junior year, and the NCAA said, nope, you're not eligible, you can't, you know, and everybody suspected, you know, what happened there. But the timing on this, 
really, really, really suspicious. And how did they get to where they got in terms of the decision? Was it a good decision, a bad decision? We don't know. We, I mean, it's just so hard to, to evaluate. So I'm not real crazy about, you know, the process where you just can't even begin to guess as to what happened. It was the, the blinds, it, like the coaches basically had to be blindsided. Like that's all we can really come up with. The fact that we, you know, I was standing right in front of them Wednesday night, interviewing them, talking about playing against UNLV, his hometown team. And that, you know, the, you mentioned that the Las Vegas newspapers had done features on him just hours before that. Uh, there's no way they would let him talk about that and do all those things if they had any idea on Wednesday evening that he wasn't going to, you know, be able to be there. And by the next day, He's not in practice anymore, and then we never saw him again. So it was just the timing; everything was very strange. You know, it was just kind of crazy. Yeah, and, and, and it, it it is unnerving a little bit to know that no one apparently from the football program, or the athletic department, is allowed to even be involved in this process. You know that that it's like you know here's this kid who's you know you talk a good game about family and football, and it looks like the football family is completely removed from anything involved with, uh, you know, with this whole decision. And, uh, again, how did that happen? You know, is that on Bubba? Is that on USC? What's the deal here? Uh, it just, no matter how you look at it, it does not make look US, look, uh, USC look good. It just doesn't. This is not something. I mean, is Bubba better off kicked out of school for 28 months than maybe, you know, with problems that he's got certainly sounds like there are some anger management issues there. Uh, would he have not been better off within the family at USC with people working with him? Is the best thing to do to kick a kid to the curb? Uh, does USC not have any way of, you know, rehabilitating uh, people who may have, you know, Bubba says now he's going to really work on it. This is a lesson. He's going to take it and take it from here you know, is that the best thing or, or, or is there a way he could have kept, you know, you know, within USC and they could have worked on, uh, on making him a better, you know, teammate and student athlete and all the other things that, that you would like to think that USC, you know, a private school, a family sort of a situation, uh, you know, could have worked on. I don't, you know, since we don't know, we know that, that whatever happened wasn't worth um, apparently it wasn't worth the LAPD getting involved. It wasn't worth the USC, uh, security safety, you know, public safety people getting involved. Apparently it wasn't worth the title nine people getting involved as amazing as that is. Uh, it wasn't worth the USC. And I love this name. The chief threat assessment officer at USC didn't think it was a threat, uh, worth getting involved. Now we only know that from, you know, Bubba's, uh, you know, rendition of it, but, uh, just the idea that USC has a chief threat assessment officer on campus is kind of amazing, uh, that there is that kind of a, you know, academic, uh, you know, student academic judicial bureaucracy involved that you could have such a person, but, uh, you know, how do we evaluate it? I don't know. Is, is Bubba better off where he is somewhere outside of USC? I don't know. Is that what USC is about? I don't know. I mean, that's the problem. All you can say is, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Bubba's statement left enough 
questions that I'm curious if Helton will field any questions in practice today. I know his usual. <laughs> He's going to get, he, uh, Healy, he will get some. I, I think he used the right word. Will he field them? He, <laughs> he may not field them. Yeah, I, I know how it's probably going to go. It's a university matter, but I, it's just, it's worth asking and seeing how much were they in the dark? It seems based on the events, they were in the dark for a while, which I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Whatever it says, it doesn't say a lot of good things about how this went down. I'm sorry. It just, it just doesn't. This doesn't make anybody look good. No, there's left a lot to be desired here, but we'll, we'll see what we can find out later today at practice. Um, some other sad news around the program. Uh, Keely, I know there was a question about that. Yeah, we have a question from Crystal from Marina Del Rey who says she saw the Instagram that Keith Ellison had passed away. The news articles as of Saturday night were pretty vague. Any insight into what happened? Regardless, really sad to see this happen to someone so young and my thoughts are with his family. Yeah, Kevin Ellison is his name, but yeah. Oh, yeah. He was a rock. He was a rock at USC. I mean, he was kind of the, maybe not you know, the necessarily the all American guy, but boy, he was the guy that everybody depended on. And yet fairly soon thereafter, uh, you know, a pretty good, you know, rookie year with San Diego and the NFL and, uh, you know, starting spot and made a, made a number of tackles, but then he moved on and didn't exactly catch on with Seattle and then was in the arena league and started having some real unusual episodes of, uh, you know, and I would say almost, you know, psychiatric kinds of things with involved with it, you know, uh, uh, gosh, I guess the first thing was, was in Spokane where he set fire to his apartment and said that, you know, God told him to do it and, uh, uh, has apparently been having some real, you know, issues, uh, you know, mental, uh, health issues. Uh, and I kind of gotten lost in terms of people knowing where he was or what he was doing. And I still don't know that we know what was he doing walking on I five, uh, you know, in the, out in the valley and get, getting hit. Uh, it, it's just so puzzling. I mean, it's just inexplicable how that all, how that all happened. And I think most people are just, just trying to figure out what could have possibly, you know, happened and, and how did this, how did this happen and how, you know, how sad it was. He was really a solid guy here, uh, you know, at USC and just, you know, one of those guys that you just knew would be there, be where he was supposed to be, do what he was supposed to do. Everybody counted on him. Uh, it's just hard to even, uh, respond to, what could have possibly happened and how, how it happened. And, you know, all the way through to the finish, we just really don't know. Yeah. It's certain, I mean, he was one of everyone I talked to, one of their favorite players to cover. I remember him. I, I posted this too, just telling a story about um, when I was, I think we were talking about uh, play action passes and I was like, Hey, it's a defender. How do you like figure out if it's going to be a run or a pass? And he would, he would kind of went into these long stories telling me different things. And he's like, I can't tell you everything. I can't tell you all the secrets, but you know, watching the hands of the offensive linemen, if you see them, they're like, their knuckles are kind of red. They're, 
they're putting a lot of pressure on their knuckles, their hands, so they're leaning forward, so it's probably going to be a run. If not, if they're just kind of lightly touching the ground, they're probably going to back up, and you'll see. I mean, I just remember him telling these kind of stories, and he just seemed to really know the game well, and uh, it was always fun. He, he could articulate it well when you would interview him. And uh, I know his family is is uh, was that said they were donating his brain to you know CTE study. So uh, it's just unfortunate. And so many of his former teammates and uh, people you know people around the program had posted about him and stuff. So he he's certainly someone that impacted a lot of people. And one of those guys that you meet and you, you're never going to forget. Right. No, he was he really got it. He was a, he was as solid as you could possibly hope for on uh, on some really really good football teams and uh it's just a you know what a tragedy i mean it's just it's so sad oh, we have a question from a man who shares your name dan uh class of 62 he says lincoln riley a second year head coach fires mike stoops because uh his defensive coordinator because a poor defensive play and stoops is the brother of an oklahoma legend that is the difference between a coach that wants to win and a coach like Helton who wants to be loved. In addition, Riley had two former head coaches on his staff to replace Stoops while Helton has a grad assistant and hires an assistant that Harbaugh let go. Head coaches need to make tough decisions and Helton is not capable of doing just that. He doesn't have the leadership, confidence, or is he just clueless? USC must decide if it wants to still be a national football power and hire accordingly. I've heard for seven years how much money was available for football at USC. Unfortunately, unfortunately, that may be a myth. Where are the Phil Knights and the other billionaires who care about the USC program? Well, I don't know that anybody's going to put up the money right now, uh, right this very minute. But, uh, but I do think it's one of the flaws if, uh, if you're talking about a program and it's faith, family, and football, uh, I'm not sure family should ever come. <laughs> For you personally, it must. But in terms of the football program, it probably shouldn't. And, uh, you know, when you have a program, you know, where your brother was a part of it and in, a, in effect, your almost uncle, uh, you know, closest person to the family is part of it. And, and one of your best friends is part of it and all that. It makes it a little harder to be as cutthroat as you maybe have to be. If you want to be in the top, the top level of college football, which USC, uh, you know, going into this year, certainly kept saying uh, national, you know, ambitions for national championships and being nationally championship, you know, competitive. Uh, you kind of got to be a little bit cutthroat and, and you got to compete more than anything. And uh, uh, you, you don't quite see that at USC, that, that willingness to, uh, you know, to really, uh, really compete and uh, to demand. Uh, I mean, you, you end up seeing, for example, if you have a bad, really bad week on a special group of teams, and then the next week you do something right, you just go all out to praise the team, uh, the week they did a couple of things right, as opposed to really getting upset the week that they did everything wrong. Uh, and that doesn't fly at places like Oklahoma. Uh, they just, you know, they're not going to. They're not going to put up with, uh, you know, giving up that many points and, and losing a game that matters, matters that much. And um, it doesn't matter who, you know, the guy is that is responsible for that. Basically, they're going to make you responsible for it. And uh, I'm not sure we've seen that level of responsibility uh, at USC where you have to be, you know, responsible 
I mean, you can have a, a you know a particular group that's performing really badly, and yet you still hear uh, that the person running that group is the best person in the country running that group, you know, running those kinds of, you know, teams. And you think, wait a minute, they're not, you know, the only other solution, the answer then would be the players are really bad because the coach is really good. Uh, what else, you know, are you saying? Uh, so I, I think, you know, you'd like to see more people held accountable for what they do at USC. Uh, and, and I don't think we're seeing that. Uh, makes it harder, uh, makes it really hard to compete at the very top level where accountability for uh, Nick Saban and Urban Meyer and Dabo Swinney and Kirby Smart and those, that accountability is, you know, paramount. You, you better be really good at what you do. I mean, I guarantee you they don't have coaches who say, you know, Rudd, I really don't like this recruiting stuff. We have somebody else that maybe could do, do recruiting. It's just not my thing. I'm not sure – you end up working at one of those places if you say that. But I'm not sure that that, that isn't the case at USC. You can be somebody who says, you know, recruiting kind of not my thing. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> no, that wouldn't fly a lot of places. Um, here, I got a voicemail question for you, Dan. It's a little long, but there's some good points in here. We'll play it for you. Hi, this is Richard from uh, Palm Springs. I thought with a bye week, maybe I could bring up something that uh, maybe needs to be addressed. Years ago with uh, Marv Gu when he was the line coach at USC, USC had recruited a uh, JC All-American lineman out of Birmingham High School by the name of Mike Scarpace, uh, who was one of the best to ever come out of the San Fernando Valley and was going to be a starter for USC. And he was at one of the practices that I attended, and he's standing on the sidelines, and he's talking to people about how he's going to be starting in the fall at guard for USC. <clears throat> Marv Gu overheard this, came over to him, grabbed him aside, pulled him by his shirt collar, and in no uncertain terms told Mike Scarface that, listen, fat ass, if you don't get yourself in shape, you'll never not only not start here, you'll never play. That kind of uh, set me aside, and I thought, wow, that showed the toughness of Marv Gu. Uh, he was a guy that was an All-American, and he may not play. He did eventually play and became one of the best that he's ever had. But my point is... Uh, I don't see any coaches outside of Kenichi UDC who has that intensity or that USC knowledge or pride in the history of the program that they can instill in the players. And I certainly don't see it from the offensive line. And they are so soft, uh, it's just it's hard to watch. I know they had a good game with the running game, but uh, Colorado coming up very, very tough. My last comment is uh, I do not understand why we don't hear anything from Lynn Swan on anything. There's no public uh, anything from him at all, and I'd be interested in the comments on Margu and interested in the comments about Lynn Swine. Enjoy the program very much. Thanks very much. Take care. Bye. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure Margu would pass the uh, student academic, whatever that court test would be. <laughs> if, if he, he had Margu, he, <laughs> he might not make, make it to day one before uh, he'd be uh, called up in front of the court. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he, he might scare the other coaches, not just players. Uh, it's just a different world. Uh, I do think there are some things to be learned by, you know, how Margu approached approach things, and we don't see that a lot. That's just not 
that's just not the way things are run right now. And uh, I do think, you know, the offensive line, the defensive line, don't, you know, they miss that. I think, but even the assistant coaches there, you know, they don't set the tone of practice. They don't set, you know, when they're, when they're in pads or how much they go and or act, you know, what they do in practice and all of that, that kind of thing. So that's above, above their pay grade. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I'm not sure. I think it just seems like everybody wants everybody to like them. And there's an awful lot of, you know, not trying to get anybody upset and, uh, just not sure that in, uh, at the level of the very top level of college football, I think you got to be a little, you got to be a little tougher. You got to have a little more, you know, Marine Corps, you know, boot camp kind of uh, approach at least, you know, before the season, and uh, just kind of in general in terms of, of what you demand and, and what you expect, and that there are a lot of things that just aren't acceptable, and uh, I don't know that we see enough of that where you just tell somebody that is flat out unacceptable we're not going to have it here and if we see any more of it you're not going to be playing i don't know that the people who you know get to the top of the depth chart have any sense that there's a way that they may move down the depth chart I, i just i don't know that that's the case and i think that's a good thing i think that was that was one of the best parts about Pete's, um, Pete Carroll's competitiveness at practice was that there was a chance somebody could go up and somebody could go down. And uh, I don't know that, that that's the case right now. You could argue USC's best week of practice was mock game week when it was the last chance to get your name on the depth chart. So maybe bringing that back would be better for competition's sake? Well, yeah, like I, I think one of the principles that Pete Carroll said that the starters or the depth chart, I guess he said, should be uh, written in sand, uh, you know, not etched in stone, written in sand. And it can be, uh, you know, changed at any moment. And I would like to see that. I would like to see. So there's some, uh, like every Sunday night when we get the game notes, that people would be looking at those to say, gosh, I wonder who moved up this week or did somebody move down or who's, uh, you know, I don't get the sense that we almost ever look at those things and think, gosh, is there, is there going to be a change here? Did somebody really make a move this week? Uh, most weeks look like they're mostly maintenance and, uh, and trying to uh, get the game plan installed properly, uh, you know, for the next opponent. But it's not necessarily – competing for your job over and over again, uh, which I think the competing for your job, competing against and with your teammates is the kind of mental toughness and physical toughness that you develop during the week in practice that carries you through on Saturday. And if you don't have to do that during the week, it's not there for you when you get to Saturday. I, I just think that's the, that's the hardest thing I think to see that's not as much a part of the program. Marcel wonders what the status of Josh Imatorbebe is. He bat, he's really, really close. I thought, I thought, you know, he, he's not a hundred percent on that ankle. He had one of those really bad high ankle sprain, one of those six, seven week 
high ankle sprains where they tell you, gosh, you'd have been better off breaking your ankle instead of, you know, what you did. Uh, but I thought he was running really good patterns last week. Um, uh, even though you can tell he doesn't have, you know, full, uh, you know, mobility and flexibility with that ankle, but he was diving for balls and, uh, beating people deep. And, uh, so I think he's really close to, uh, to be able to contribute. So, you know, he's had a tough way to go, uh, with, you know, I know people look at it and say, come on, an ankle sprain. No, you can have ankle sprains that really are that bad. And his was. And uh, I think he's, you know, battling back, you know, from it. And I think he, he will be able to contribute. Now, you know, he's at a position where you you got pretty many guys that can contribute. But, uh, but I think he will be able to. We have a question from Jason from Longhorn Country who's looking a little bit into the future. He says, because of the weak Pac-12 South and because SC still doesn't have a president, I think Helton will win enough games to make it to year four. However, if we don't have a New yeah. Year's Bowl, a New Year's Bowl win or a playoff appearance either this year or next year, do you think he makes it to year five? You know, uh, you cut out the very first uh, sentence or two there, Keely. So if you hit me with that one real quickly, uh I'll be able to give you the answer. He says, because of the weak Pac-12 South and because SC still doesn't have a president, I think that Helton will win enough games to make it to year four. Yeah, I think that's a good, that's a really good observation. Uh, I would say, uh, it's, I mean, I don't know that there's a big margin for error. And, and I, and I could have, I could imagine that somebody has already made a decision. And, and if the decision is, uh, we want to have a, an absolute team, a nationally competitive team. We want to compete for national championships. We don't care. You know, of course you should win the Pac-12 South. Gosh, I mean, you know, modern day you might win the, you know, Pac-12 South, uh, in some people's minds. Uh, but, uh, uh, and winning the Pac-12, you know, like last year, what did it mean? You know, it didn't mean anything when they played Ohio State. So, uh, so I think USC, I think the the coach at USC has to be somebody who instills in people the confidence that we will be better than just winning the Pac-12 South and winning the you know winning the Pac-12. Uh, we will compete for you know a spot in the um, in the college football playoffs, and uh, that doesn't look like uh, you know that's the possibility this year. So you know, do people who are making these kinds of calls, you know, is there somebody to make that call? without a president and uh you know and, and, and you know some of that could be based on outside circumstances if someone becomes available who you didn't think was going to be available uh that could change your thinking in terms of uh you know this year or next year or however it goes but uh but uh but not having a president probably um helps uh you know the football coach's situation uh for this year I would think yeah, the, the interesting thing is, and I, we we have people on the peristyle. There's, you know, there's certainly USC fans that just want Clay Helton fired no matter what. They, it doesn't matter, and they just go over the top sometimes. One of the posters said USC should be zero and five right now, and it's just like ridiculous. Um, they, they're not. They shouldn't be zero and five. Um, yes, they they could have lost some of those games, but there's no. It's just ridiculous. This team. Has enough talent. I mean, I mean, you could make the case. Through. You could almost make the case they should be five and zero. Oh. I mean, they're yeah. up fourteen to three over a Texas team who hadn't looked good at all. 
and that probably you ought to win that game. Probably I don't care how many people are in the stands. <laughs> and if you hold Stanford to 17 points, you ought to beat them. They're not very good, as they've proved. Yeah, uh, they've know, given the up 109 points the last three weeks, and USC scored right. three. So if you're ready to play, a, a good USC team is five and zero right now, and, uh, it, and it they're not. Right, and I think the the point is, it's like this is, team is so talented, and the Pac-12 South is the worst division in Power Five that you could pretty much sleepwalk and have the coaches stay home and still win a lot of these games. So I know there's some fans that are just like, really, they're it's like they're yes, they're they're not playing to the level of expectations, nowhere near that. But the situation that they're in with the the players that they have, even if they play very poorly, they're they still have a chance to win the South. Like playing poorly, they can win the South. Well, I mean, you know, Colorado, the first four, they were 4-0 against teams that were 1-16. And, uh, and, yeah, they, you know, they, they held on to beat Arizona State. But, come on, they've got two really good players. I mean, really, really good players, the quarterback and the wide receiver, running back, whatever you want to call, you know, Chenault. And, and Montez is very good. But they don't have anywhere near the depth of talent that USC has. And, it, you know, they, it, Colorado as a team has never beaten USC. If they come in here – and beat USC, okay, then start screaming. But, uh, you know, and, and for USC, shouldn't, you know, have, take a victory lap if they beat Colorado. They ought to beat Colorado. Come on. It's, it's, it's the two programs is so not close, except you got to give McIntyre credit. He's, uh, he pulled them together. They had the right schedule. And he's gotten their big players making big plays. Yeah. And, uh, and good for them. But they're just... They're not in USC's league. I don't. That doesn't mean anything. What? That doesn't necessarily mean anything for Saturday. I'm just telling you, they're not in USC's league. Yeah. Well, we had multiple questions in the same vein, where someone said that USC's fan base is their whining is becoming tiresome. Are fans expecting too much from this team when they had a lot of turnover on offense? No, uh, I think Ryan did a, a wonderful job with pointing out, that, you know, as we've all kind of been hinting at, but when you look at the numbers that they're the fourth, uh, you know, best roster, fourth highest ranked roster, uh, you know, in college football. And that ought to mean something. I mean, it, USC, you know, says it means a lot when they, uh, you know, on signing day. So if it means a lot on signing day, it should mean a lot the rest of the year. I mean, they, uh, you know, and to say, oh, it's a new, they've got one of the best freshman quarterbacks that's hit college football in recent years and certainly one of the best receivers. Uh, so, you know, you can say, well, they're, they're kind of new. Well, the two guys that are new are pretty darn good and could be better had they been better prepared in August. But, uh, uh, no, uh, you know, I, I don't think that's even, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, gave USC a big shot this year just because of the veteran offensive line. And how's that worked out? Why, you know, why has that not been a strength that you can count on when you're, you know, fourth and two and all you got to do is get a first down and the game's over at Arizona and you can't, uh, you know, that, yes, he's got a roster way good enough to, to, you know, to be a lot better than they are right now. And there, there just is no excuse. And I know the coaches hate to hear that and they'll, you know, they're not very happy with us. Uh, when we say that, but, uh, <laughs> they don't like it, you know, get, get, you know, I mean, this team is not playing, uh, up to its capabilities and act like, Oh gosh, 
If only we'd have known that we had to go on the road uh, the second week against Stanford and the third week against Texas. But gosh, we just we didn't realize that. Come on, I mean, you had to get them ready. You had to do some special things in August to get this team ready, and you spent a lot of wasted time on a quarterback competition that was of no value whatsoever. Uh, and you wasted a lot of time, and you didn't have them ready because you didn't understand what was coming, apparently. I don't know. I mean, you didn't know you were going to be playing at Stanford and at Texas. I mean, and both of them were beatable, as we said, as it proved out to be. And you go to, you know, Stanford, and you don't play at all, except on defense. You go to Texas, and you quit after, you know, a quarter and a half. I mean, it's just... Uh, got you fired up (laughs) it's frustrating i mean the opportunity was there for this team that's why it's frustrating the texas we saw texas go from a kind of down in the dumps bedraggled sort of a team and sure their crowd picked them up and all that but we saw them go from the team that had lost to maryland barely beat tulsa to the team that you know ran away from usc with 34 straight points and they're still running. Texas is. They believe what they're doing, and they're playing hard. And and without this talent, USC has. But uh, they believe in themselves, and they're playing hard. Uh, Stanford run out, ran out of bodies. Didn't have enough to begin with. Probably should have lost the USC game, which would have put them on the on the downward spiral. You know, a week sooner. Uh, this is just not a. A really good Stanford team. I mean, that's the biggest disgrace of the year. USC scored three points against that Stanford team. Yeah. I mean, that's just, there's no excuse for that. That's just, that's awful. That's, I don't know which is worse, the 18 penalties against Arizona or three points against Stanford. But both of those are just awful benchmarks for this team. You know, I posted on uh, on the Peristyle, I'm like, you can't, use tra- you can't use the transitive property in college football. But to see USC right. go on the road and score three points, and then Utah, who was struggling on offense all season and plays really good on special teams and defense, put up 40 on Stanford. They're like, well, Bryce Love wasn't in the game. All these excuses that came out. And it's like, okay, here's the deal. Stanford gave up 109 points in their last three games, and USC scored three on them. Bryce Love played in two of those games. So it's not like Bryce Love wasn't available most of the time. It's just not an excuse. That's just a poor showing, and that's something that could have been Avoid that. There's no way that collection of players should have ever scored three points in a game. Yep. I mean, it, 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 you don't have to, you know, even defend it. You just have to say it. This yeah. happened. You don't even have to say why or who to blame or whatever. You just say this happened. <laughs> and it shouldn't and have it's happened. Unacceptable. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like watching a Ferrari go down the wrong way on the highway. It's yeah. just like, no, no, you're, you're a car. Go the other way. Uh, we have a question in from- reverse. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. Reverse is better. Uh, we have a question from Earl in West LA who says, now does it look like Oluwole Batiku and or Daniel Umatabebe will redshirt this year? Also, what is a gray shirt? Huh. A red So redshirt, they could play four games and still redshirt. Although uh, I, Daniel can't redshirt because he took his redshirt year the year he transferred from Florida in the middle of the year. Uh, so he took that year as a red shirt. Um, so, uh, I mean, I don't, I, and I guess you can, after you finish your fifth season, you can petition for an extra season for an extra medical red shirt year. But, you know, as we found out with, uh, Jordan Simmons, I guess, uh, 
that's probably not a good way for USC to go because the NCAA probably not going to ever much look favorably on a USC player asking asking for another year. Alawali, yeah, he had that one year where he played one play, I guess, he had one tackle, and so he didn't get a red shirt. Uh, so, I, don't know, I mean, he could play four games and still red shirt. So, I would guess that might be the way to go if if they try to find a position for him, uh, maybe pure pass rusher, you know, line him out, uh, you know, line him up outside wide and just send him to where they think the quarterback's going to be. Would would seem to be uh, maybe the thing to do with Alawali, and uh, if you get four games to do that. Oh, that's good. All you need is, you know, hit those things once or so a game, and uh, and it's a valuable, uh, pretty valuable thing. Apparently, Alwale is going to be cleared for contact soon. He's been posting on his Instagram. He's oh. doing more things. So apparently, that's social media stalking. Social media and helps. Um, <laughs> also, a gray shirt is when you enroll in the second term. So you are not a part of the team in fall and you're not taking classes at the university. So for instance, John Jackson, uh, he is right. showing up to practices, but he's not um, enrolled at USC. So he, I think he's at a community college right now, but he will be with the team in spring. That's and what the a scholarship word is. Yeah. Will be a, a scholarship will be available uh, in the spring. So yeah. yeah, so that's how they how they do it, but they don't have a scholarship for him right now, although it looks like there are some scholarships available. Yeah, uh, I think there's a few know. free. Huh? I think yeah, yeah. this would have been a, a nice year to have a scholarship for um, uh, Caleb Wilson and uh, and uh, Kerry Anzaline and uh, gosh, I'm trying to think who some of the other guys. It, it would have been nice if uh, some of the scholarships that aren't being used would be used for those guys. Uh, we had a I have one more voicemail question for you. Uh, little little offensive line action. Here you go. Curtis from Moreno Valley. I used to be mad at Toa Loven Don for high or low snaps. That's before I saw him pull. He can pull to the right and the left, maybe as good or better than any center in college football. I didn't know he was that fast. We need to keep pulling Toa and hope he hikes it good. Curtis at Moreno Valley. That's uh, that's the perfect comment about USC centers or USC football. We hope he hikes it good. Yeah, that's what we do. We hope. <laughs> and that, I don't know that that's good enough. I mean, when you watch some of the other teams and you see that ball just sitting there like it's on a tee and it's there immediately and you think, you know, if you're the quarterback at USC, the first thought in your mind has to be, where's the snap going to be? When's it going to be there? Um, will it be snapped while we're trying to straighten out the play call? And we've got guys moving in different directions. Uh, it, it just hasn't been a strength. And, and it's got to be something that you don't think about. And if they got to this point in this season with Toa Lobanon, and it's still not something that USC has figured out and fixed, and that he's, you know, starts out without gloves, then he puts gloves on, now he's got gloves off, and all of that. You got those are the kinds of details. That's why car, coaching football is really hard. There are a zillion details that you got to get right. If you don't get them, you, you can't say uh, what Curtis said. Fans can say, "I hope this. I hope we get the you know hikes right." But coaches can't say that. You got to get the hikes right. I'm sorry. 
you can't hope you get them right. And they're not fixed yet. We have a question from Randall Mitchell who says, why does USC continue to use Pac-12 refs at practice if it's not helping? I've heard Dan say that this goes back to the Pete Carroll era, but does it go back further? My assumption is that the refs get familiar with the players and learn their tendencies, such as with DB holds and the D-line interior holding calls last year. Or if a player talks back to the refs at practice, uh, said ref may carry a grudge into the game. No sense paying these guys extra money if it's not helping. Do other teams do this around the country? He also says, also, when is Dan having a book signing at the Trader Joe's in Tustin? Oh, I didn't even think about the Trader Joe's. <laughs> I'm trying to arrange some of those now. Uh, now that we got the book, it, it's at all the Barnes & Noble in, so- in Southern California. So we're really uh, excited about that. So uh, any of your neighborhood Barnes & Noble, you can get the book there. That's a really good idea. Uh, I have to think how we do that. There are a lot of places that we're trying to, uh, you know, arrange uh, some book signings that, uh, now that we know that the book's all out. But uh, that's a really good idea. I have to talk to... Uh, Talk to somebody, maybe at Trader Joe's that we know that we could uh, work on that. Uh, that's a, that's a great thought. Uh, I'm uh, I'm trying to think. There's another part of that question, but that threw me off. So, <laughs> well, so much. I think we need to clear up something because I think Randall thinks that there's Pac-12 refs at every USC practice. Oh, yeah, you know the Pac-12 they don't use them very much. Uh, I think they they use them less than years before. Only pretty much only preseason. They haven't used them during the season. I think it's a good idea, actually. I mean, I, you make a point that they would pick up what USC does wrong. The problem is that USC-Arizona film, I guarantee you they've watched that film. Uh, so the Pac-12 refs are way up on uh, what USC does wrong. And that film is going to follow USC. That's, uh, that's a tough deal. Is it makes it so much easier to, to call against you. I mean, and, and they weren't getting as many penalties called. But uh, uh, but that game makes it a lot easier for officials to call uh, call stuff on USC. I like it uh, as a former coach. I like having them at your practices, just getting to know them, getting them to know you're really trying to you know not commit those penalties, and you know asking them how would you call this or on this uh, you know fade in the end zone if I do this. Is it legit or isn't it legit or whatever? So I think that's a good thing. I, I if it were me, I'd have them uh, more at practice. I don't know what the uh, what the protocol is for once the season starts. My guess is uh, you probably can't have the Pac-12 officials, but there are a lot of programs that have officials that practice every single practice. Um, you know, it becomes kind of kind of expensive to do that, but. Uh, I think this this wouldn't be a bad idea for this team. Uh, you know, you know, you bring in local high school guys. Are they intimidated a little bit, and all that? And how much value is there? I don't know, but uh, I would be. Uh, you know, after the Arizona game, I think I'd have been on the side of having officials that practice every day. To be to be honest, and just tell them to throw a flag every time they see something. Uh, so they got to do something. 
Yeah, well, Paul from Santa Clarita has an idea. He says, I've seen where the defensive players will bring the ball to Clay Helton after a turnover. How about this? Every player who commits a penalty has to bring a penalty flag to Clay <laughs> and then apologize to Clay for hurting the team. Scolding or threatening a player hasn't really worked, but having to go to Clay in front of the whole team and TV cameras would leave a lasting impression. Your thoughts? I think you need some sort of discipline. You know, like, they, you know, there has to be something. And, you know, Dan mentioned this before. You get a personal foul. You get a, you know, it's not but the next one. You're out. It's you're out on this one. So I think there has to be something coming from the top for that. I think that would help. It needs some sort of deterrent. I think to to motivate. Yeah, them. I think when you say how did you know the question is how do you uh, plan to eliminate these penalties? And the answer is well, we categorize them into three different categories the decision-making penalties and the administrative penalties, and I can't even remember the third category. And we showed it to him. It's like, what are you writing, a dictionary? I mean, come on. He just, no, I don't care. Is there really a difference? If there's a flag against you, who, do you think the official says, son, that was a decision-making penalty, so don't feel so bad about it. It's, so it's work a, on your decision-making. <laughs> Don't yeah, work on your administrative. Or, <laughs> you don't need to work on your administrative. You work on your decision-making penalties. Yeah. I mean, I, it's like I can't even imagine if kids even awake through a presentation where you actually, you know, had the film cut-ups of all 18 penalties and you put them in different categories. You don't need to put them in different categories. They're penalties. They, they shouldn't have happened. you got to stop it. And, uh, you know, and there got to be consequences if you do. I mean, that's the thing that'll make an impact. Is you know, when you do that, I'm not just going to counsel you about how if you do it again, you're going to get tossed out of the game by the officials. I'm going to tell you, I'm tossing you out right now if you do that. Uh, and you just did it, so you're out. Uh, I think that's what they understand. To be honest, I I don't know that. Putting them in categories for them helps you uh, stop them. In general, do you think this team is one that is afraid of getting disciplined? Do you see any discipline really happening? I remember the first kind of Clay Helton year, there was this, a chippiness or some, a fight. They do up-downs or something like that, but that has kind of faded away. Do you think this team is really scared that there are repercussions? What is this thing you said, this word you <laughs> use, discipline? <laughs> And what in the world are repercussions? I'm not sure we've seen either. Have we? I mean, you, you know, we're, we're there. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I would like to see some, uh, repercussions and some discipline. And I'm just not sure we see, I, I, you'd like to see practice stopped, uh, occasionally and people, uh, admonished on the spot. And, you know, I don't know that we see that. Yeah. I think we talked to Max Brown about this on the live show. Like, it, obviously, these are college players. They're not getting paid. You can't find, like, you could find people in the NFL. The currency really is playing time yeah. and, and if you're going to be in that starting lineup or not. And I think the reluctance to really deviate from the plan, you're taking away one of the, you know, key aspects that you could do. Where if, if you really felt like, hey, the guy behind me could really start in front of me, if you don't feel that could ever happen, there's no fire under you, you know, and, and if it's because of a penalty or because of play or whatever, it doesn't seem like that's a real possibility. And I think you take away something. Uh, and, and I, and it's not like 
I don't think there's a bunch of team of players that don't want to be disciplined. From some of the comments we've heard, it seems like they want that. They want to be, you know, hey, told this is wrong, told what to do, and you're not really getting it. Yeah, Alcacete Aguero said that sometimes it's good if they have a fire underneath their their butts because they need it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, it's interesting to see the different factions of of coaching and and coaching styles because to be fair, Kanichi Udezi actually like the the voicemail earlier, he does have a mean streak and he did discipline Brandon Peely for showing up late to a meeting. He missed the first half of the Texas game, so some there is some dis- discipline in some position groups. <laughs> I guess not, <laughs> but not all, not team wide. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's, and it might be better this year than it was last year when you had players just flat out didn't do what, you know, position coaches wanted them to do. And it, there wasn't a, and I know they used the, well, we didn't have enough guys. We didn't have enough bodies that are healthy on the offensive line or, wow, that kid's got so much talent on, uh, you know, in the secondary. We just have to play him, even if he won't do anything we ask him to do. No. I'm sorry, you're in charge. Come on. This is, there, there is a, 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 you know, there's a sense of, of the kind of thing that happens, you know, in a family where you kind of spoil certain kids and then, you know, you try to rein them in and it's too late. You know, you've already kind of lost them and they look at you like, why are you being mean to me? Huh? You weren't mean to me, you know, last week or last year. Um, I think you gotta, you kind of gotta start out with that attitude and, and they haven't. And it's hard to get, you know, it's hard to get control of them now if you haven't been coaching them that way all along. We have one final question from Nick who says, can you give us a basketball season preview since this is technically still a bye week for football? Nick, it's football <laughs> yeah, season. Heck, Stop okay. this talk. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I think, I don't think, you know, the Pac-12 is going to be very good. If if they would ever try to play defense, work on defense, try to become physical, uh, I think this team could be pretty good. This team has got the size. they got the athletes. I think the, the Porter kid, the freshman coming in, is, is one of the best players in the country, one of the best freshmen in the country. And, uh, you know, is he going to maybe dominate the ball a little bit? But uh, – uh, he's got a lot of a lot of ability. Uh, had a great summer. Um, I think it's the kind of team that if they play together, if they believe in themselves, if they really go out and 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 play defense and rebound. I mean, I just think if they're they're into the game in those kinds of ways physically, and and they show up every night. I mean, they can't show up and get beat by. I can't even remember the Ivy League team that beat them last year. I mean, I was there and I ended up losing by ten points. And, uh, can't do that. You know, you can't just show up and, and, uh, expect, you know, you're going to win. Now, does that happen? I don't know. But I think they have the, you know, a lot like the football team. They have the potential to be a pretty good team, <laughs> but it all depends on. Rut row. <laughs> huh? Rut row. That could be bad. <laughs> I know. I mean, they're similar in so many ways. The basketball team uh, wins the off season every year. They win the summer. And then like last year, they didn't make the tournament. You know, like there's always something they're like, well, it was this. I'm like, it's always something. There's always something that precludes this team from being, uh, you know, a final four type of contender. At least there's growth. Yeah, they were though. one of the most, I think, uh, the difference between their talent level and their expectations and where they ended up 
was probably as great as any team in America last year. And, and I think they got unfairly cut out of the NCAA tournament, but USC gave them plenty of reasons to cut them. And the NCAA said, yeah, thank you very much. You're gone. You're not in it. Um, I don't think the football team's any much different. I think the football team right now is probably uh, has the biggest difference between where people thought they could be based on their talent and where they are. And uh, uh, it's kind of sad to see that in both major sports, where you have this sense of, wow, they could be, they could be pretty good. Wow, wow. And then, ooh, they're not. What's going on? Uh, you'd like to see, you know, break that, uh, you know, string of mediocrity. Uh, and the football team still got a chance to do that. They have to do it. And it's going to happen. They got to do it. Obviously, they're you know they've got a uh, a schedule that they should be able to compete with uh, until they get to Notre Dame, and they got Notre Dame here. I mean, you know, the opportunity is still there, you know, for this team, but they have to do it. Coaches have to do it. Everybody's got to decide on it, and uh, I don't think we know whether those decisions have been made by uh, any of the principals. Yeah, we don't know, um, but they they got it set up. You can you know look impressive against an undefeated Colorado team, uh, and then keep rolling from there. You got to win on the road at Utah, which is not going to be easy, and uh, you could get rolling. And, and the Pac-12, the the version of Pac-12 game day will be at USC this weekend. So at the McCarthy Quad, uh, Mike Yam is hosting. Uh, I think Yogi's going to be there. I think Curtis. There's a bunch of guys. Uh, I think so. Uh, but 3 p.m. Uh, at USC in the McCarthy Quad. So. If you're going to go early, it's a 7.30 p.m. kickoff. If you want to wander around campus, you can see the Pac-12 version of game day. It's only going to be an hour, so make sure you get there around 3 or so and uh, check it out. And by the way, uh, the TV uh, and the Pac-12 hasn't gone so well for USC, especially next week. Uh, uh, USC-Utah uh, game, which could be the deciding game in the Pac-12 South, it was passed over by... Uh, ESPN and Fox. ESPN's going to do a Pac-12 doubleheader <coughs> with Oregon, Washington, and then um, UCLA and whoever they play. And I it might be Washington State, I don't know, or somebody like that. Uh, but so that because the uh, ESPN passed on USC Colorado. This uh, excuse me, uh, USC uh, Utah next week. USC and Utah will be on the Pac-12 network. It's Six o'clock uh, Salt Lake time, five o'clock here. Yeah. But for USC to get relegated in a pretty good game against a pretty, you know, respectable opponent to end up being relegated to the Pac-12 network, that's pretty sad. That that might be as low a blow as has been, you know, landed on this USC football program to to have uh, uh, ESPN take two other Pac-12 games over the USC game. I mean, and playing Utah, you know, yeah. Now Utah's got two yeah. losses already, but by that, I think by next week, I mean, I, I think Utah will get a win again, and then, you know, well, we'll see. But um, I don't know. It's going to be, it'll be interesting what goes on there. Maybe more people pay attention to our coverage because they can't watch the game. So that's uh, hey. Keely's. Uh, yeah, they're not going to be able to watch the game. That's right. Keely's highlights, her uh, field level highlights, will be more popular. There you go. Watch. Yeah. Uh, and just so you know, it's uh, Mike, uh, Mikey M, Nigel Burton, and Evan Moore will be on campus uh, at the McCarthy Quad, 3 p.m. Pacific time, just so, so you let you know. It's not Yogi's doing a game, and uh, Curtis Conway's going to be in the studio, I believe, but not uh, on campus. So 
It'll be Mikey Here's M, Nigel Burton, Evan Moore. My, guess, my suggestion for Pac-12 Network, get a bunch of Trader Joe's bags <laughs> if you want to get people to come out to the party yeah. quad. That would be my guess. We'll set that uh, up, we, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should. they should do that. Uh, well, though people yeah. will be there. I mean, the good thing is people are there for tailgating already, so it's not like um, that's was McCarthy Quad. Is that the where Tommy Trojan is? Right, like no, that's where McCarthy Quad is where Levy Library is. Oh, okay, it's okay. Where, so over it's there, where the um, uh, the last uh, college game day, ESPN uh, game day, was at the McCarthy Quad when they decided they wanted to kind of be right in the middle of of campuses. Okay. Uh, so that's where they went. Yeah, McCarthy Quad. Okay. Yep. There's still people over there. People tailgating stuff over there. But if it was oh, closer yeah, to there. if it was closer to Tommy Trojan, there would be packed. No, everyone tailgates at McCarthy Quad. Like oh, that's like the spot. Did you go to USC? Monday? I did, but it was <laughs> we always did stuff in the middle of campus and stuff. I mean, like, everyone goes everywhere, but like that McCarthy Quad is like the hub. Okay. Well, did, see, I mean, I haven't been to a tailgate in like three years, so I don't know. I'm the authority on this. Right. I used to, that's where I went to, uh, for my freshman year, I was at College Uni, which is now called New North. Or oh, whatever, right? okay. So that's like right there, like Craddy yeah, Corner. Right there, right, yeah. yeah. And there, that, used, that, the, uh, the Levy Library wasn't there. That was like, we could, it was like a park or something. We could play like outside there. So that's next to Burncrant, right? And Burncrant yeah. is like the taller one in between yeah. the two. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, where that Trobro library is. wasn't there. Yeah, there was nothing like that wasn't there. Interesting. Uh, when you're, I was, you're pretty old, Ryan. I'm, yes. But, <laughs> Just uh, kidding. Well, it's cool. Okay. So, but yeah, check it out. I'll go, we're going to check it out uh, before we go to the game, maybe. And yeah, that'll be fun. See what's going on there. All right. Well, I know we guys got to get to practice. Uh, Dan, thanks practice? for coming. Practice? You're talking practice? <laughs> yeah. See what happens. Uh, maybe they cancel it. Maybe like, you know, it's game week. We don't, you know, we worked hard last week. Don't need to practice this week or something. Be nice. Actually, laser tag week. <laughs> <laughs> so many comments. All right, let's Dan Weber, Keely. Thanks for coming in the studio. Of course. Yeah, and uh, I'm Ryan Abraham. Thank you guys for all for tuning in. And uh, we'll have a preview show tomorrow. I got Adam Munster Tiger joining the show, so he knows all about the Colorado Buffaloes. We'll get that in there. And uh, we had a Family Feud one already. Are you guys, you guys aren't doing another one. I think you? we are. We're gonna try to get your questions in if you want. Familyfeudpod at gmail.com. We'll answer them. We'll have a whole segment for questions. Nice. So do that, and then also uh, we'll have our live show Thursday at noon. So uh, check that out. Tunnel Vision is what we like to call it. So on Facebook Live and all that stuff. So thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.